it's Jake with Mishmash. It's just me again this week. Shana is still out on parental leave, uh, but I had an experience this week that led to a conversation that I think you might find valuable uh, and might be interested in. Uh, so here's the backstory. Bear with me for just a little bit. Uh, I decided after weeks of putting it off, it was finally time to get my oil changed. I wanted to make sure that I was leaving the house as little as possible, but uh, after really realizing my car wasn't doing great, uh, I decided, you know, it's time. So I went to one of those quick oil change places, a chain here in southern Michigan. Uh, And when I got there, I realized that none of the people working at the shop were wearing masks. And I thought that was interesting. I I asked them why. uh, And they said that because they have two garage doors on either side of the garage, allowing fresh air to come in and out that they are considered an open air business and did not need to wear masks because of that. And I thought that was interesting because I had never heard that exception before, but, uh, you know, I was interested to hear about it. I did confirm uh, with the corporate office uh, that that is their understanding that because they have this free flow of air that they do not need to wear masks uh, legally. And uh, they did socially distance. They stayed six feet away from me, but not each other. Uh, they, they also assured me that they have masks for employees who feel like they want one or if a customer requests that workers wear one. Um, I did uh, ask them. I requested that workers wear a mask and they said they were out. So this was the experience. Uh, you know, I went ahead with the oil change, um, but afterward, I wanted to figure out what the rules were. What are the laws for whether workers, uh, especially retail workers, uh, wearing masks, do they need to? And uh, so if you're like me, maybe you've noticed this at a number of places. I've noticed it at, at stores, fast food, drive throughs uh, garden centers fewer and fewer workers wearing masks. So to figure out if there was special exceptions or if maybe, um, you know, what I was seeing was somehow reflected in the law, I spoke with John Birmingham. He is an employment attorney here in Southeast Michigan with the Foley and Lardner Law Firm. I also spoke with Merrick Masters, who is a professor of business at Wayne State University's Mike Illich School of Business. And I asked them to fill me in on what the law says, what the rules are, what the guidelines say, and simply what's good for business. So here is that conversation with employment attorney John Birmingham and business professor Merrick Masters. John, uh, we'll start with you. Now that we have a few layers here of uh, requirements and orders and things like that, you know, what are businesses and employees required to do, especially when it comes to wearing masks now that we're at this stage in the pandemic? What are uh, the requirements that exist? And uh, maybe what are also the guidelines that some businesses are following but are not required by law to follow? Yeah, well, Jake, you hit it right in the head when you you talked about some of the changes that are, are happening. So one of the challenges for employers and really everybody else you know, are the many sources of law and guidance we have out there, right? We've got, you know, on the federal side, we've got the CDC, we've got OSHA, we've got statement from the White House. Uh, we have, on the state level, we have Michigan executive orders from the governor. We have MIOSHA, which is a state OSHA 
organization, and we have county orders. So there, there are dozens of such orders, and there are guidelines, and they, they change constantly. You know, one example of that is that you know, people forget that the CDC originally advised against wearing any face covering. So we, we, that was a long time ago at this point, but it really was only, you know, a couple of months ago. So I would say, Jake, the most definitive law right now is Governor Whitmer's order. What she says is all of us, not just employees, need to wear uh, face coverings when we're within six feet of one another. She also kind of says that employers need to develop a plan, which includes you know, face covering and PPE, and that face covering is actually required if somebody works in a workplace where employees cannot consistently maintain a distance of at least six feet apart. But, you know, if you look at the governor's order, you also see that there are different rules for different industries. So we've all been to retail agents, retail stores where they've got to post a sign for customers that customers need to wear masks. And if you're dealing with the public, you're going to have to wear a mask also. Offices, you know, if you work in an office, it's going to be a little bit more lenient. The governor requires face coverings and shared spaces. So if you're in in-person meetings or if you're in restrooms or the hallways, you have to wear face coverings. If you're behind, you know, a door or you're in your office and you're isolated, you don't need to do it. And then, you know, there's also outdoor employees. Like if people work outdoors, the standards are, are, are more lenient. Um, even the governor's order says that, you know, if you work outdoors, you have to wear face coverings as appropriate. So there's a lot to navigate. There's a lot to focus on, and, and the orders are constantly changing. You know, one other thing is, you know, you have to look at the county orders too, right? If you if you work in Oakland County and you deal with customers or you deal with face-to-face -face gatherings like grocery stores, you have to wear masks. I would say from, from the federal government standpoint, the CDC is less directive, but they, they have basically said now they encourage people to wear masks. They give guidelines on how to make masks. They describe, you know, what masks should, should look like. And, and all of the guidelines, by the way, and the laws say, unless you work in the medical industry or, or you're a first responder, you shouldn't be uh, using N95 respirator masks. You should leave that for the medical community, and you shouldn't kind of require that for employees. So clearly there's a requirement, legal requirement, to wear masks in Michigan in a lot of situations, and even where there's not a requirement, there are, there are guidelines that, you know, masks or face covering should be worn. So if it's okay, I'd like to just offer a couple of different examples, the couple that I have uh, run into recently. First of all is uh, garden centers. There are a lot of outdoor garden centers that are, are open right now, and, you're, and, and I personally have been seeing a lot of employees there that are not wearing masks, and that seems like uh, probably would fit under the uh, definition of an outdoor a retail establishment. Also, places like auto garages or, or oil change facilities, those are more enclosed, I would say, but still have free flow of air. And it's been described to me that uh, because there's that air coming in between the two uh, garage doors, essentially, that that falls under an outdoor business. I'm curious, John, what you would say about those kinds of establishments and what people should expect to see from employees if they, like I said, go get their oil changed. Changed. Yeah, it's interesting. People, because of the practical difficulties, Jake, in, in wearing masks sometimes and, and how difficult it is and how much it might be an inconvenience to, to certain uh, employees' jobs, people will try to latch on to um, you know, different exceptions. 
I would say both of those situations that you described, though, still are, are kind of retail sort of situations where you're dealing with the public and you're going to be in a situation where, unless you're in a garden shop where you're, you don't have to deal with the public at all, you're going to be constantly still interacting with people in six feet apart or less. So I would say that, you know, under a strict interpretation of the governor's order, at least, I'm not sure that would be an exception. Now, I think if you're working in landscaping or you're you're working kind of outdoors where you're not going to be interacting with people very much, then I think there would be an exception to the rule and you wouldn't have to wear face coverings. With respect to the automotive mechanic shop you went to or oil change shop, I don't think the fact that there's some open air uh, between the two garages would create an exception. I think that would still be a situation where you would be required to wear face covering. Having said all that, you know, there's, there's human nature to factor into the equation here, too, and it's very difficult to, you know, enforce it 100% of the time. But I think even in those two situations, I think uh, the governor's order and the, the government would, would still want the employees to, especially at least when dealing with the customers, to wear face coverings. So, Merrick, that's a great segue for um, something that I'd really like you to speak on, which is what is best practice here? You know, we're talking about what's legal, what is required and what's not. But what is your reaction to some of the things we're seeing now with public facing businesses and employees working with the public uh, not wearing masks right now? Well, I think that John brings up an excellent point that there are many sources of information. There are many authorities at play here. And unfortunately, there are a lot of businesses that do not have the opportunity to go to somebody like John and pay for his counsel and get advice on what to do. So I think the best practice for people, particularly those that don't have access to attorneys to guide them, is to pay attention specifically to the executive orders and the various interpretations of that that are available in the news media, and then perhaps refer to the CDC guidelines on what they recommend for employers, and they have a volume of information available to you, and then apply common sense. Uh, and let me give you an example, if I can stretch you know, the range of examples that you might have. I'm working from home right now, and my next-door neighbor has tree trimmers out who are cutting down trees. And they were up at the top of a tree yesterday, you know, maybe 100 feet high, something like that. Now, nobody that's working on this small landscaping project is wearing face masks. But you might argue that that could hinder their work and ability to communicate with each other if they should have an emergency or something like that. And it would be, you know, reasonable to expect that there might be some exception. But if you're in a business, I would say, and you have the potential to interact with a customer, that you are probably best inclined to wear a face mask, to provide for your employees to have a face mask. And if you have people that do work that is sometimes only remotely likely to interact with the public, such as in an auto shop, 
you can cardin off the part that um, they work in and not allow the public into there and preserve some space so that the individuals that work in there, if it's not practicable for them because of their need to communicate or whatever, their safety, to wear these masks, then maybe they could forego it and still try and obey whatever social distancing they can commonsensically abide by. But it's a very complicated situation, and I think that people really have to exercise a good deal of common sense, stay informed, and make things available to their employees, particularly if they ask to, uh, to be protected and to wear a face mask, and you have the opportunity to do that. So uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, consequences for not complying with the orders uh, and and what is required. And we'll start with John and then Merrick, maybe if you could also talk about the sort of the business ramifications for sort of maybe a trust that that might exist between businesses and customers and maybe what the, the non-legal ramifications might be. So John, let's start with you. What are the legal ramifications for not complying with things like the governor's order? So uh, Jake, the technical uh, legal ramifications include, you know, it can be a misdemeanor if you if you you violate the executive order, you can be charged with a misdemeanor. There can be a $1,000 fine um, if, if you don't comply. The governor or the attorney general can refer you to a licensing board um, to perhaps take away your license for, for noncompliance. And then there's the, maybe the less direct consequences, right? Uh, and this is what I advise all my clients. Uh, you really have to do everything you can to, as Merrick says, be reasonable and try to protect the safety and health of the employees because you could also get wrongful death lawsuits if, if the employer can show that you acted with reckless disregard so workers' compensation wouldn't apply. Or, or if you have a contractor there, they can sue you and there's no workers' compensation exclusive remedy. OSHA could come on and say you're not providing a safe workplace. And then it's simply, you know, you could have the inability to get employees to come back to work. If they don't think that your workplace is safe, if they don't think you're doing the right things, then, you know, employees might not come back to work, um, especially, you know, right now where, where there, there's the enhanced unemployment compensation. Or you could have problems with uh, union relations. If the union doesn't think that you're doing uh, what's needed to protect employees, especially with respect to face coverings, that could create a whole union management issue. So, Merrick, uh, what about that uh, trust that exists between uh, businesses and customers and sort of how that's sort of uniquely challenged right now or what sort of the unique uh, aspects of that are as we uh, deal with this uh, new horizon of, uh, you know, making sure that everyone's staying safe during a pandemic? Well, I think that trust is absolutely critical, particularly if you're trying to restart your business and want people to feel comfortable coming back in. And really, trust is in the eyes of the beholder in in the sense that you may think that there may be a lot of people out there that don't really object to somebody not having a face mask on if they're 10 feet away or whatever. But there are going to be people that are going to view that problematically uh, and be hesitant to come back in if word of mouth comes out that you know people are not don't have face masks or they seem sort of casual about it. Um, I think that you are better off from both a legal standpoint and a trust standpoint in going the extra mile and trying to reassure people that you're doing everything humanly possible to protect the safety of your employees and your customers. 
And I would just offer one other additional thought. I know that there are people that are very upset about the governor's order and the lockdown, et cetera, and and want to be sort of defiant and open their business in opposition to the order. Um, But I think that puts them and their employees and customers in potentially a lot of vulnerable positions that they maybe haven't thought through the ramifications of. And so you really need to think through in terms of when you want to restart your business, you want to be able to restart it in such a way that people can feel comfortable at multiple levels coming back in and engaging in your business and that um, the people will be protected uh, to the greatest extent possible. Is there anything else that uh, either of you want to add uh, to the conversation at this point? Um, I, I would just add, Jake, one other, maybe the flip side of the, the mask issue, the, the one thing from an employer's perspective, you could have a situation where a mask or a face covering is incompatible with somebody's disability, and in that situation, even though the employer really wants to you know, do the right thing and you know, keep a safe workplace and, and try to pre- prevent the spread of COVID, you would be required to try to reasonably accommodate that medical condition. For example, if somebody had asthma and wearing a mask was just incompatible with their asthma or exacerbated it, then you'd have to talk to them and see if there's there'd be a different kind of face covering they could wear or maybe a leave of absence as an accommodation. That is a big issue, and particularly with your dealing with workplaces where you have large volumes of people coming back. For example, I work at a university, and we're dealing with those issues right now. We know that there are a number of employees at our university that have um, uh, physical conditions that make them vulnerable, um, and they may not be able to wear masks because of breathing conditions, but also they, they, they just may be very high risk. Uh, and not want to come back. So I think for employers, to the greatest extent possible, they need to be accommodating to people and consider not only the need to bring them back, but who you bring back, when you bring them back, and the work environment they come back to. Really, really appreciate both of you taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Merrick Masters is a professor at Wayne State University's Mike Illich School of Business, and John Birmingham is an employment attorney with the law firm Foley & Lardner, LLP. This is Mishmash. I'm Jake Neer for Shana Roth. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.